PD Raw is a podcast sharing the experiences and insights of people with personality disorders or traits by being brave and talking about the things that are shameful and painful. Humans demystify and destigmatize the things that we hide. The aim of this podcast is to let others know that they are not alone. By showing the reality behind our walls, we hope to bring people closer together, connecting in a more open and authentic way. Please be aware that, due to its topic, this podcast is adults only, not safe for work, and may contain triggering content. Hello, few. Hey, how's it going, Noda? I am pretty well. How about you? Doing fantastic. I mean, I'm here with the queen of the pod, having a, uh, a ball of a time. So uh, what more could I complain about? Yeah, we get to talk about ourselves for at least half an hour. And there are a few better topics. <laughs> <laughs> Did you mean me or you? I leave this exercise to the listener. <laughs> All right. Well, today we're going to do Collapse Part 2 because we realise there's still more to talk about. Yeah, who could imagine? I thought this was relatively straightforward and uh, we kind of hit everything. I guess, uh, yeah, we'll give it another uh, once over. Mm-hmm. And you you uh, write up a beautiful description of yeah. Collapse. So uh, I like to kind of use my own definitions for things where I can. That way uh, I can kind of get the nuances or subtleties of what I mean. So if this doesn't fit with what you imagine um, or what somebody who you like or respect has defined it as, that's perfectly fine. This is kind of uh, my own interpretation and thoughts. So, yeah, the definition that I've written here, and uh, forgive me if I just read instead of doing this off the cuff, most people's minds try to maintain a place of equilibrium. This is a place where the mind is able to carry out the functions that are required for the person to live their lives, achieve their ends, meet their needs, navigate the world, cooperate or be in conflict as it might be with other people and so on and so forth. So a healthy ordered person works efficiently is open to possibilities and potentiality in themselves, the world, and others. And they are mostly adaptive. They can quickly react and come to acceptance and then thrive when met with difficulties and adversity, obviously proportional to whatever the issue is. So a disordered person does not navigate their own mind or world effectively efficiently or gracefully, and let alone their own mind, other people. So a disordered person will misuse certain psychological or emotional resources to compensate for parts of themselves that are damaged or painful or that they don't know how to use. So for example, you use grandiosity as a replacement for confidence, intensity for intimacy, possessiveness for a sense of security, uh, devaluation to try and uphold a sense of self-worth uh, and things of the sort. So in general, then, a collapse occurs when an integral part of, mostly we're talking about disordered people here, uh, their disorganized psyche 
is usually or sudden is uh, usually suddenly or abruptly ruined, destroyed, lost, or taken away from them. So, for example, if you're borderline, something triggering your deep sense of rejection and abandonment, like if your favorite person is becoming distant or you fear them leaving you, or they actually do. Uh, if you're narcissistic, you collapse when faced with a severe narcissistic injury to your false self uh, or your sense of grandiosity or your alternate reality. Uh, this one I'm kind of going out on a limb for. If you're antisocial, I'd imagine that a collapse would come about if you were to be suddenly deprived of your means of power, whatever they might be, money, looks, strength, social network, whatever. And without that part of their psyche, everything else that was precariously or dangerously balanced also comes down with it, which is what makes disorganized people not adaptive because we have a whole hodgepodge of hastily erected long-term structures inside of our minds that aren't built to code. Can't take one part out temporarily for maintenance, analyzing it and reorganizing and reinterpreting and so on. Your mental equilibrium is fragile and delicate, which is also why disordered people react so severely uh, to seemingly inconsequential or small threats. For example, a coworker who performs well, another attractive person, someone who is smarter. Uh, because our mental apparatus is so dangerously balanced that even something small is capable of throwing it all out of whack. So, thus, once in collapse, most, if not all, the defenses and structures of the person in question's mind and psyche come down, and the disordered person is forced to confront something face-to-face -face in the real world that is difficult and unpleasant without any of the resources that they'd had just moments ago. Now, even healthy, ordered people need some uh, form of protection or mediums with which to process reality or themselves, although for the most part, they're far more closely in touch with reality than disordered people. So this is especially cruel for the disordered person as the raw, painful, vulnerable parts of themselves are forced into the open, either just for themselves or for everyone around them as well. And so in this time, a, a disordered person can act out in all sorts of ways that are self-destructive, aggressive, depressive, vindictive, catatonic, promiscuous, suicidal, homicidal, impulsive, reckless, addictive, and any other sort of means of coping, because you need to do something about the severe, intense emotional pain you're in, but you don't actually know how to deal with that emotional pain like a healthy person would, and you didn't already have a strong foundation that yourself and existence were built on before. And so, therefore, getting out of collapse is the process of rebuilding your psyche while integrating optimistically or less charitably ignoring, repressing, or in some other way addressing what occasioned the injury or wound and getting back to a place of order and function that allows you to interact with the world and yourself and others again. That was gorgeous. Yeah, I mean, it's something. I typed it, and then I read it, and uh, <laughs> that's it, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, thank you for reminding me again also how much I hate the healthy ordered people. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, just if only there were less of them in the world, like things would be so much more interesting. Um, (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) So, yeah. Well, we just spice things up, don't we? I mean, it sounds peak cluster V, so yeah, that's uh, <laughs> life of the party. But yeah, no, we, I kinda... but we can't leave out the other clusters, can we? Because there's cluster A and there cluster is. C, and um, one of um, one of the forum members suggested um, that we call them our clustered friends. Yeah, there's oh, uh... that's beautiful. Yeah, that is uh, that's a good one. I'm gonna have to start uh, using that term. Yeah, I uh, mm-hmm. once I feel get enough time, I'm gonna branch out into the other clusters as well. Right now, but kind of the uh, neglected stepchildren, and uh, <laughs> gotta bring them back into the fold. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, we'll get there. Mastery of uh, certain things first. But well, it just shows how the human mind is just so interesting and complicated, isn't it? That we we branch out in so many ways under stress when we're young and develop these different ways of dealing with, with what we need to deal with. Um, but anyway, that's a topic for another day. And I was thinking about um, my psychiatric stay and how it was, that was a very severe collapse. And it was actually, I literally felt like my mind was in splinters. Like it broke mm. apart. I did not know who I was. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just, I couldn't, I was so fractured. Um, and what really helped me then, right then, was the drugs. Right. Yep. So the psychiatric, the the approved ones, but yeah, they, they provided um, relief and that's what I needed at the time. So yeah, that got me through. Um, and then so I, I, oh, I just wanted, just wanted to extrapolate from that quickly that the official view of the pod is that drugs are good and uh they will usually uh have that same effect they make things better and uh yeah okay i'm glad we put that in there carry on (laughs) they remove pain don't they and you know we have to get through we have to get through don't we and and i think too people with addictions um it's no good just saying stop the addiction but why why is it there let's let's build the person you know, don't yeah. treat the symptoms. Let's let's work on the person instead. Yeah. So, I mean, being less facetious and tongue-in-cheek, um, <laughs> yeah, like if you are in a state of collapse, you're in a place where you're doing really poorly and uh, potentially psychiatric medications are offered to you. And if you do a trial of them and they work for you, um, I mean, why wouldn't you? Like what's the uh, hesitance or reluctance? Um you're faced with yourself, which is something that if you're in a state of collapse, you are failing to operate or navigate, and you should be looking for any sort of handholds to get a grip on your own mind and psyche and feelings. And if somebody can offer you uh, a treatment course that will give you a little bit firmer of a foundation, then that can be Uh, deeply appealing and it can be one of those pieces that you need to give yourself uh, enough stability to start piecing back together the psyche that has come apart in this collapse and i myself like i'm still on psychiatric medication uh of varying sorts and doses for almost a decade and 
throughout the entire time, my mood has gone up and down and all over the place. So it's more that the medications help provide a baseline or um, like maybe they take the edge off of certain symptoms, but they on their own are not enough to deal with what the issues are. Um, but yeah, if you're in collapse and that is an avenue that uh, is open to you, then I would strongly suggest that you avail yourself of it. Yeah, I I think it. I was about 25. Like I'd resisted going on antidepressants until then and then I was just like, oh, you know, I just have to do it. Um, but, yeah, I kind of think you you kind of it's it's so um it's so profound that you have to grab at everything you can in a way and you, then you you kind of try a whole lot of things and you find a number of them that work and sort of having them on board gets you to another place i mean i'm still on i recently switched um antidepressants and the one i'm on is really really good it removes social inhibition which is why I'm able to do a podcast I think or reduces it anyway and I'm like whoa <laughs> is this what extroverts feel like it is awesome but definitely I think whatever you can grab onto and try it um and, and I don't think there's any one answer there's like a whole lot of different things and you've just got to keep hacking away at it too yeah uh I mean it's just um like you are in a bit of a war when you are disordered to pilot yourself and against the different parts of you that kind of rebel and do other things. And um, I mean, maybe there are some options that you want to be skeptical or leery of, like I can imagine, well, you know. Joining a cult? That, thank you. Oh, no, no, no good. save. That's, yeah, bad <laughs> idea. Perfect. Um, unless the cult leaders are ourselves. Aside from the cult <laughs> that we're going to start after this podcast, um, yeah, like there may be some things that aren't a good idea, but if something has little harm profile or is something that is used as a common intervention or treatment, then like, yeah, follow your intuitions and your feelings and check in with yourself and don't close off opportunities where you don't already need to. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm just delighted to hear that uh, this has been so useful for you and that it's given you um, that capacity that you then didn't have before. It's incredible. Mm. Yeah, well, I, I the other thing is, too, I've spent so many years being miserable and now I think whatever gets you through because you've mm. only got one life and I don't want to waste it anymore being being sad, being depressed and all that stuff. So, yeah, I'm just going to take what there is and, like, fly if I can. Yeah. Um, so you actually gave me um, – I just thought of two things that helped me with collapse and I should throw them in there um, seeing as we're working through it right now. So one of them is, for me, exercise. Um like I can tell when I'm not doing well and my mood is spiraling when I no longer want to or can't exercise. And then once I can start doing that again, like it just starts picking me up and making me feel better. So that's, you know, it sounds boring and it's what anybody would tell you, but like it, it really, the effects on your mental health uh, can't be overstated. Um, something else that might be a little counterintuitive and uh, this happens with me a lot. Maybe this advice doesn't work for other people who don't have some of the natural get up and go or internal motivation or whatnot. Um, but sometimes with collapse, it occurs for reasons. 
um, then I have to deal with whatever caused it or, you know, get over it. But eventually when I'm collapsed, I just get sick of myself just doing nothing. Like I just get bored of being in that place. And eventually that innate drive that I think most people have to just do things and be engaged comes out. And uh, I can tell when I'm starting to uh, come to the other side of one, when I start being curious and interested and reaching out and uh, practicing things again. Uh, but there is a there is an element of, I think, when you do collapse, like something has been hurt. There are things that need to be looked at, things that need to be repaired. And so once you start doing that work or you've allowed enough time to get past, you will your feelings will start to move you past that point into the next one. And I think that's a very natural course for things to take. Yeah, because we do have that internal drive to heal. And I think I think that's why we partner up with other clustered friends and lovers because we we seek to get back to that wound in order to connect and then heal. And most of the time it's not possible because we're not clear and the answers aren't clear. But, um, yeah, I think there is, isn't there, There's, there is just a natural process. Um, and, and if it feels, yeah, if it feels that it's drawing you somewhere healthy, you should follow it, I think. Yeah, and I think, you know, for me, for example, like people who know me, um, they can tell, like, you know, when I'm kind of, like, severely anxious and withdrawn. And uh, to, at this point, they've kind of been around long enough where they're just like, yeah, okay. Like they sort of know what's going on. Like sometimes it still sucks being on the outside, but like to some degree, like I'm not the only person who's kind of observed the patterns and the rhythm. And so it's, uh, you know, sometimes trying to jump out of it before you're ready isn't helpful. And sometimes just having people nag at you, just be like, do this, do that. Like, that's not what needs to happen. It's, uh, you know, like, uh, and don't you hate it when they do point that stuff out? Oh, it can because just, it yeah. means you're not in control. Yeah, I, it's well, for really me, really annoying. Yeah, for me, it's not even about control. It's just like, well, you know, you're wrong. Like you don't uh, necessarily understand all the elements that's at play of what's been going on, and sometimes it's my fault because I haven't told them because I don't fucking want to. Mm. Um, but it, or sometimes I just can't until even I've figured something out. Um, but yeah, this is one of those areas where sometimes advice from people who just aren't understanding or charitable or really engaged with the place you're at, they don't know what they're talking about. And so like advice that they can give you can go horribly awry if it goes against what you're actually feeling or what you need. Now, it's still incredibly useful to have people give you their feedback or for them to perhaps point out things to you in your blind spots that you can't see yourself like you know you've been anxious like this and i've noticed or like uh we haven't heard you talking about like this thing for weeks now like is something going on like that kind of uh curious inquisitive feedback that probes uh into you it can help show you give you an honest reflection of where you're at in the collapse and maybe how far you've fallen from what your baseline is to really be like oh shit, this is so noticeable right now that like even other people are kind of like giving me feedback, this is where I'm at. As opposed to people being like, oh, you're not feeling great? Like just get up and go run around the block. And then you're just like, yeah, That's great. That, like, I, 
I'd have done that. that. Yeah, it's that invalidation I was thinking as you were saying that. Yeah. And I wonder if that's that's probably common for all disorders is to have your own uh, feelings, but more than that, uh, invalidated. So it, it's your perception of of the world, how how you experience it. It's your experience of the world being invalidated, um, unwelcome, rejected, all that kind of a thing, like it's a burden or it's too difficult for someone else to deal with, or, you know, you're just completely wrong. Um, yeah, so that that's really painful, isn't it, when you're in a bit of a, a low state to get that kind of a, a comment. Uh, yeah, and then the other kind where you have a loved one who points things out, yeah, I hate I hate that because I'm like, I don't want to face that. <laughs> I'd rather go through it for a while longer and then figure it out myself mm. and then come back to you and go, <laughs> I'm fine now. Uh, yes. Yeah, but- sometimes it just don't be like that. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> um, and actually another thing which is, yeah, so you were talking about looking after yourself physically, which really works for me too. Um, and so I go to the gym and if you're narcissistic, you look really good afterwards. So that's a good reason to do it. We're, um, we're trying to psychologically hack all the listeners into a healthier way of living and we're doing it flagrantly. So, yeah, I mean, it, you can thank we, us after. <laughs> it's that manipulative side, isn't it? Yeah. We know <laughs> um, how to play this game. <laughs> yeah, we do. Um, and it's nothing to do with uh, knowing that from an inner perspective. Uh, but, yes, looking <laughs> after yourself physically and that sleeping, eating. And this is a bit of an out there one, but I was brought up in and then for a long time lived in places that were cold and grey and I've moved somewhere very sunny, and that really affected me too. I didn't notice, mm. or I didn't know that about myself until I woke up. Sorry to tell you this, but I woke up every day, and it's it's quite sunny, and I I notice that I'm really affected by yeah by sunshine. So I think that that's another example of of an outside thing or a subtle thing or just one factor that's influencing. And so if you can change um, as many things around you as possible to get you to that higher level. Um, And then you're probably a bit more able to start tackling things too. You're not just stuck in that rut, which is that the hamster wheel of those negative thoughts, those negative feelings and the negative behaviours. You're feeling stronger enough to go, oh, I'm just going to stop this endless movement and take a little step to the side and, and try something new. Yeah, I mean, that was a a really good thing to uh, put out there. Um, If anybody in the comments also feels, though, like Nota has been rubbing her sunshine privilege in our faces (laughs) and uh, you're as enraged (laughs) as I am, just, uh, you know, feel free to leave that feedback. Um, But yeah. Australians (laughs) are really good at doing that. Yeah, clearly. Um, Can I send you some photos of the beaches as well? Oh, people are just hearing the fractures in our relationship right now, and uh, it's just hide the case. Um, but no, to to be completely serious, though, um, actually, uh, I'm exactly the same way. Um, when I'm not doing well, the winter months are profoundly more difficult. And once the spring starts coming around or it starts getting warmer outside, I start perking up a lot more. Um 
I think that uh, when I'm more balanced out, it's not as pronounced, but then just when my mental health is worse and you're more susceptible to kind of everything, it's like you said, you want to give yourself every single fighting chance. And so one of those things is, yeah, absolutely. Like the weather um, and how much sunshine I get is also profoundly important. I got a sad lamp at one point and uh, fired oh, that up. did you? Fast. Yeah. Did your electricity bill get really high? I don't think it uh, quite uses that much. and uh, <laughs> But did it have an effect or not if you've, you don't have it anymore? Uh, I didn't. don't pay that much attention. Um, I'll run some experiments uh, for the next month, and uh, I will circle back to this for sure. Pinky toe promise. Okay. Does it give you a tan as well? Uh, I mean, I already kind of am tan, so that's kind of <laughs> irrelevant uh, for you. But it's important bit. for me because I look better with a tan. Yeah, unfortunately, you have to uh, look somewhere else. It is not tanning bed quality. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's uh, that's definitely something I think for uh, like another thing, uh, kind of creature comfort uh, is like weighted blankets. That's kind of in that vein, which is really oh. useful for some people. Do you, have you got one? I do not. So this is uh, secondhand information that uh, I cannot verify myself, but it is something that, uh, again, like if you're kind of down in the dumps and you're looking for anything that gives you some measure of comfort or security, uh, I've heard people say that that is good for them. And what, overnight, the whole night, or do they just go, I'm going to have five minutes of heavy blanket time? I, on my coffee break or I, like how do, how do they use these amazing products do not know any further um i don't think they tie it around their neck and wear it outside like superman like a cape um <laughs> be baller if anybody wants to test that for me but uh yeah i don't have uh anything else shooting from the hip okay oh that's interesting and yeah actually i would when i was really depressed i'd go all you know womb craving and like curl mm -hmm. up in my bed and you know with all of the doona and the blankets and everything but it is too hot where i live most of mm. the time to do that sorry but mm. i do miss it actually i really really miss it i actually i sleep with three doonas because i have to like wrestle them into a nest and then i feel comfy no we do uh, what we gotta but uh i actually i did want to um touch on that uh that point you put there about kind of um womb craving and yeah that desire to nest to be comforted um and especially with collapse like you know you're likely going to regress um some years mentally uh it's going to bring you back to a point of where some of your other psychological traumas or emotional traumas happened and bring those to the surface and so yeah things that help you cope that are more childlike or infantile will be uh, probably useful or of service at those points. And so that's uh, actually a bit more profound or insightful of a thing to have thrown in there than I think you at first thought. So I just wanted to make sure to highlight your brilliance for uh, everybody. Do You just want to keep coming back on this show, don't you? I always have ulterior <laughs> motives, so that shouldn't surprise anybody. <laughs> that did make me think of um, something my therapist once said when I told him that I slept a lot because I would. I'd just bomb out for days when I was really depressed in my 20s. Um, and he said um, he said to me, oh, some babies don't want to be born. So, mm. And then he, he sort of he said the words, I don't want to be born, or if I am, let me lay in your arms for a while. And mm. oh, 
that was so powerful to me and and I think that comes back to that lack of being held um, mm-hmm. and sort of treasured and nurtured as a, as a baby hmm. yeah as a, as a child too yeah and I mean that kind of goes with uh, what I've said with disordered people of uh, I usually I do think that there usually is a strong craving for a nurturing that they didn't have um, and then they act out or try to get that need met in inappropriate ways. Um, So, yeah, I mean, even part of that inability to self-soothe when you collapse is not knowing how to nurture yourself potentially or having seen it happened or done correctly. And so, yeah, like that can go all the way back to, again, infantile or childhood and being able to teach yourself how to put your mind back together or to get yourself to a place of security and safety where you feel like you can carry out that work is usually an experience that you want to have had happen with caregivers or uh, people who care about you and can help you navigate your own mind. But you can also do this for yourself to some degree. And it is a necessary um, phenomenon to have occur even for the healthiest ordered people, they just do it a lot more quickly and efficiently. But if you're disordered, that is something that you can work out for yourself. You're bringing up that group of people that I really don't like again. Yeah, they sneak in here every so often. <laughs> I can't keep uh, the world at bay forever. Oh, damn it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking I should go out and ask for a hug, shouldn't I, more often? I'm not very good at that. Yeah, get on the, you know what you should do is you should get a stand on the corner and just like uh, hugs like five cents or something like that. Like enough to make people think that it's worth something, like it's not just free, but not enough that it's actually like going to break the bank. And yeah, that'll get you hugs, I think. (laughs) All right, I'm going to try that. (laughs) Yeah. And Um, then afterwards I might end up back in that place. (laughs) <laughs> very, very possibly we'll see with how the, the nice drugs yeah <laughs> we'll see how the reception goes um but yeah so we've kind of given some coping strategies was there anything else that we uh kind of wanted to mention or go into in terms of like the affective with collapse like what does it feel like did you have something i think you you had some examples of triggers in your own life yeah um so i have I'm trying to think of want to do affects or triggers. But yeah, sure, let's do the thing that I already wrote so I can justify the time I already spent. Um, <laughs> so for me, I kind of have three different situations um, that I think are both personal but also common to a lot of clustered people. Um, so when I was younger, I would have collapses after I had split or varied intensely in moods. Um those switches or swings could be within a period of minutes or hours. Um, And I'm talking about something like some sort of intense uh, low feeling of anxiety or anger or rage and just not knowing what to deal with, like how to expel expel it from outside my skin or to get it outside Um, and kind of sitting with that feeling. And then it would just switch into just like euphoria, blissfully happy. Like I understood all the answers to the world 
it had happiness bottled in a jar, was incredibly energized. I mean, drugs weren't too appealing to me at this point. I remember thinking that I could just naturally produce my own highs that drugs couldn't give to me. Um, yeah, denial, isn't it? Uh, it, it, it was, it's a sweet spot. Oh, it's something. Um, and, you know, <laughs> after that peak, it would drop off and it would become uh, extremely exhausted and wearied. And it should surprise nobody. Um, like the collapse after those would be like maybe days or weeks. But that having that kind of an affective uh, inv internal environment is not sustainable or is not um, easily conducive to you being in touch with the world and yourself. And so it makes sense that the parts of your psyche that occur makes those types of phenomena occur, or even in the aftermath, like something's kind of get out of whack and you got to resettle yourself, bring yourself back to that place of equilibrium uh, that I said in the definition. And so for me, that would be uh, one of the circumstances that would either be me being out of whack or causing me to uncertain. Um, so you got anything you want to jump in on about one? Um, no, I think I've got a list of books here um, and a couple of mm -hmm. authors that other people have recommended. Um, so they, so I'll just read them out. And so this is for people when they're in collapse and they've gone, okay, this is awful. I'm faced with my internal shame. Uh, what am I going to do now? Here are some books that people have used to jump out of that uh, persistent pattern and, and to start looking at things differently. So there's How Does Analysis Cure by Heinz Kohut, In a Torment by Salman Akhtar, Shame in the Self by Francis J. Bruchek. Now, I should have researched how to pronounce these names, but anyway, I'm just going to power on. The Emerging Self by James F. Masterson, Treating Pathological Narcissism with Transference-Focused Psychotherapy by Diana Diamond, Frank E. Yearmans, Barry L. Stern and Otto F. Kernberg. So they've, they're, I think Diana Diamond and Frank E. Yearmans are on the, is it Borderliner Notes on YouTube as well. They've got some short clips, which are quite, mm. quite interesting. Um, Uncovering the Resilient Core by Patricia Giannotti and Jack Danielian, gosh, I'm sorry, Humanizing the Narcissistic Style by Stephen M. Johnson and authors are Dr. James Gilligan and Alice Miller. So, yeah, th that's just uh, a few resources for people to, to search up um, and start their journey with or continue their journey with actually, isn't it? Yeah, and also humanizing, pronouncing names that you haven't read before on a podcast. So, you know, <laughs> it happens to all of us, everybody. And uh, this That's is how it. the sausage gets made. <laughs> Thank you for pointing that out. And we did actually, before we started, we talked about uh, modeling, uh, modeling reality and modeling imperfection. Mm. And and that was one reason to call this raw is because we are modeling uh, imperfection to show that mm -hmm. it can be done and we will not suddenly burst into flames and die. So and there you maybe, go. Maybe if we're lucky, we get better at the end of it. I mean, that might be too much to hope, but uh, <gasps> we'll see. I hadn't even thought of that. That's shameful, isn't it? 
<laughs> I think that's just human, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, so yeah, oh. um, I think I'll I'll uh, read out these last two triggers that I had for collapse, just because. Oh I think, yeah, cool. Um, yeah, and but those were some good resources to uh, have out there for people. Uh, but you know, sometimes people like that personal touch of. Uh, just some other disordered fucks talking about themselves. Um, mm. And unfortunately, not you, because you're not on the podcast, but you could be. All right. That's uh, it. Putting it out there. Oh, man, I'm good at plugging. Uh, we should get a sponsor. So, um, yeah, one of the other triggers for me, and again, I think this one is very common, is uh, something that's severely negative or just traumatic. Uh, so something like I shared on the last episode about the incidents with my mother or a friend or just even with other people who I meet from time to time out in the world. Um, and so for me, in those cases, it's a collapse after the expenditure of energy spent trying to simultaneously suppress my own rage, uh, trying to figure out the situation as best I can, because it's usually murky and unclear, at least to the depths of precision that I like to have. Uh, and then working to rectify or deal with the situation with an eye towards what the best outcomes in the future are. And uh, just, uh, it, it can be difficult in those situations for me to know how to recover uh, if I don't have any agency in the situation or uh, some of the trauma threatens to cripple or undermine um, important parts of my psyche and persona. Um, so that's something that I think a lot of people can relate to. Uh, I'm going to extend this olive branch to Noda over here and see if she has anything to say. Well, strangely, I'm, uh, I haven't got anything else to say about myself. Oh, that... Well, you said it already. Uh, doesn't bear <laughs> repeating. Yeah, so then I guess... Uh, I better we'll... block that out. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I guess uh, we'll finish up here then with uh, the last one, which is unique to me. But, again, uh, I think it's the same with everybody, you know, relationship stuff. Uh, for me, it is chronic triggering situations that haven't been resolved uh with, you know, ambivalence or wounding and particularly in a romantic context with toxicity, uh, particularly like with another uh, clustered person and uh, like defenses are reacting uh, off of each other. And uh, this is a place that I try to stay out of because it will trigger me to the point where I will start doing things to people that are not kind and will cause them significant injury. And that is not what I like to do for the most part. It's kind of an option of last resort for me. Um, kind of like I've mentioned in the other podcast episode. Um, and it's also worse in terms of splitting and then collapsing because there's more parts of me that are engaged. Like when you're, um, in a romantic context with somebody um, like you're engaging all these different parts of yourself from childhood and your needs and your longings and your wants. And uh, especially then when the negative side comes out and there's ambivalence between the positive and the dark. And so you have everything about you kind of on the line. And then it's also flipping between the poles. 
Um, I mean, at those times, it is, uh, I'll actually start to look like I have a touch of dissociative identity disorder, like just the different parts of my psyche will literally start to separate out. And some of the core personas that I have um, will each be trying to assert their dominance or deal with the situation. Uh, and the longer it goes, the worse it gets. Um, and so at those times, it is very much in my interest to try to solve whatever the issue is or deal with it, whatever uh, that might look like. And then afterwards, there's a process of me uh, reintegrating or trying to bring everything back together. And uh, that process is, is what I would say is kind of the collapse of putting myself back together afterwards, uh, the actual um, being separated out is what I would refer to as splitting for me. Um, except instead of like splitting in terms of like all black, all good and doing it kind of alternately on people. Uh, for me, it feels like I kind of inhabit all the emotional possibilities and spaces simultaneously. Uh, and so like I'm being torn apart from the inside out. Uh, would not recommend unless that's your kink. Um, <laughs> and so, well, <laughs> yeah. well, that that's and that's such another. We've just so got to do an episode on this on those romantic attractions between people in the clusters, and, and I think to when you're in a romantic relationship, you're bringing in that inner child much more than any other relationship. So you're really, really exposed and mm. then all that stuff starts bubbling up and it's so potent because you're wrestling the other person with that painful part of yourself. And I think for me it's like trying to change the past and relive that relationship with the parents but change it into a healthy one and obviously Usually you don't, but it's it's so powerful. So let's do a whole episode on that. Oh, that's just that's just scratching the surface, though. I think there are many episodes, but that would be fascinating. Yeah, I think we uh, we just stumbled onto uh, another episode topic there. And I guess the the last thing that I'll say is kind of like what you're just saying about um, trying to replay uh, an earlier trauma and gain mastery over it, or some semblance of control of the outcome you want is uh, very common and something that I think a lot of people know when they're clustered that they're doing or that they long for. But another kind of interesting thing is uh, like the other episode I did about the mechanism of when you made certain decisions for yourself and at what point as a child, like maybe when you're an adult, like you have your adult self and you can uh, mediate your own reactions or your behaviors. But when you get thrown down to your core resources in these triggering circumstances, some of those really raw, difficult places that you've been in where you've forged a significant part of your identity can start to come forward. And that can be all sorts of things. And mm. uh, I think it's useful to put out there to people that when you can start to see yourself kind of strongly leaning into or feeling into these intense feelings of uh, something that you've set down a long time ago. And maybe it's not always there in day-to-day -day life, but it's starting to come up more and more to the fore is to kind of look around in your environment and in yourself and be like, what's pulling this out of me? What's uh, triggering this? Because that can be, again, one of those signs of uh, an entanglement or something 
stimulating you so strongly that could lead to a collapse, could be managed, could lead somewhere else, but it's uh, it's something to keep a watchful eye on, I think. Mm, and to, to not continue with the pattern, but to look at the emotions maybe, see, see what's brought up and try and look into that because it's being brought up for a reason. So that's mm-hmm. what you need to deal with. It, it's not it's not the compulsive patterns that mm-hmm. that help. It's it's actually looking at at those initial experiences and that the the attitudes and and the beliefs that you developed as a result and how you see yourself, you know how those experiences made you feel about yourself. I think. Yeah, hmm. I mean, uh, kind of. You know, you just said it like acceptance of like I am feeling these things for reasons. Those reasons yeah. could be related to the current moment. They could be related to past moments. They could be related to what I'm anticipating in the future. But your feelings are there to help you navigate yourself and others in the world. And so part of being ordered is knowing how to more effectively and efficiently get your feelings to do useful things like they're supposed to. And you become disordered when they start becoming less in touch with others or yourself or you can't interpret them correctly but then the answer there isn't to ignore your feelings or say fuck your feelings or like you know they're wrong or they're shameful the answer is that you're supposed to bring uh, a lighter touch and greater clarity and mastery and to work with yourself to navigate uh whatever is before you and that's a more accepting and compassionate way of Mm. navigating the circumstance as well yeah, uh, yeah, I used to I used to really try and block out uh, my instincts and my feelings and it, now, then I I sort of learned they're there to to because they're all about valuing yourself not mm-hmm. not in a grandiose way but you know actually um respecting and valuing what you need, who you are um and how to care for yourself, I think. Absolutely. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's a, a good point to end it. So um, oh, I can't wait to get back and talk about some more juicy stuff. And we've already uh, given you a teaser of where we're going to go potentially in the future. So uh, you never know, listeners. Uh, oh, and pl- yeah, please co- please contact us. And um, so you'll see on the website there is uh, an email address. So our email address is... Uh, PD Raw Podcast at proton.me. So P D R A W P O D C A S T at uh, Proton, which is P R O T O N dot M E. Uh, yeah, so do write to us and share your experiences and not just borderline revenge, but that's fun to talk about. Whoops, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Let us go, it's on. Uh, or, no. Borderline revenge, I have no idea what you're talking about. I've never been. <coughs> oh. <coughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Shit, is that just me? No, that no. is a ride. <laughs> oh, man, that's hard to get off. No, we're not going to talk about that. No, we are. No. Uh, yes, yeah, so not, not today. Do, not today. Yep, and or please do come on and chat to us. We'd love to hear from you. Okay, so few. I'll speak to you soon. Talk to you later, Noda. Thanks for having me on. Okay. Bye. 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 
The makers of PD Raw accept and embrace our guests and respect their honesty. Please be aware that understanding the hurt that makes people want to act out is not the same as condoning destructive behaviours. In fact, we hope that this podcast will contribute to helping people overcome negative and harmful patterns in themselves and in others. PD Raw is a project run by unpaid volunteers. We would love some help with paying for the podcast app. If you would like to donate just a small amount towards the cost, please click on the small globe icon in the top right of the podcast homepage. Thank you.